the thank you card. A strange box was delivered to my doorstep yesterday in the late afternoon. The tag read, To my dearest brother on his 40th birthday. I must say I was impressed, but given our difficult history, I shouldn't have been surprised to find that the package had been delivered COD. I lugged that awkward behemoth through the door and laid it out on my living room floor. Excitedly, I began to peel away tape and untangle twine, and tape and twine and tape and twine, only to realize thirty-some-odd minutes later that there was nothing there to unwrap. Look, I know we've had our problems growing up, and I admit I was an ass. Remember how I taught you to fight, but we only had one set of boxing gloves, so I let you wear them while I jabbed and pounded the shit out of your face with my bare hands. You couldn't have been more than five or six years old back then. It must have been around the same time you ended up with that accidental knife in your thigh on our walk home from school. I remember how well you lied to our parents about how this could possibly have happened. There was a lot of blood that day, and I'm sure your leg still bears the scar even after all these years. Later that summer, you and I enjoyed hours of sword fights with rolled-up newspapers serving as our blades. Many bruises and welts later, it was discovered that I had secretly rolled a branch from the cherry tree into mine. Do you remember that? I know that you do. I know that you remember those dark and hurting times because the box you had delivered to my doorstep was empty. Empty, except for the demon hiding inside, beneath all that tape and twine. My demon. The demon I should have been big enough to protect you from when we were children. The demon I unleashed on you before you were old enough to read the writing on the wall. You suffered for years at the hands of me and my demon. Now, finally, carefully wrapped, my demon has returned to me. With a card reading, to my dearest brother on his 40th birthday. You fought hard and brilliantly. And today, brother, you have bested me. Thank you. The good guy. She had asked him if he was a good person. He stumbled at his answer and cracked a little joke, falling just short of distraction. He had stumbled because deep down he truly believed that a good person could never be so cavalier as to announce their own goodness to the world. The truth, however, is that we all grow mossy green atop decomposing things we'd rather mourn than resurrect. He leaned against the chain-link fence, quietly rolling and turning these words around in his mouth and mind. They sounded and felt so correct. His eyes grew wet at the thought of his own grisly reaper rising, defying the weight of soil intent on mowing down this recent crop of kindness, honesty, and sincere intention, exposing the rotten log beneath his moss for the whole world to see. Go 
on and cast your bread upon the water. Because we all float down here. Eleven. Eleven, 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 eleven. Eleven is the one that found another one to stand next to eleven. Eleven is an otherwise solitary pairing of two singles comprising fully 50% of the binary system eleven. Eleven is one apostle short of the traditional dozen of faithful followers following hollower dreams than these eleven. Eleven. There is something easy and pleasing about these things, these two numerical digits with apparently no religious significance, yet somehow eleven sticks to me. Too thick to see the deeper things, the reason beings, the rope that swings. I have no idea what makes these things, these two separate mathematical beings, standing as one reflecting the sun as all earthly things are prone to do. The fit, the shoe, the where, the what, the when, the why, the who, the answer inside, inside of you and me and her and he and it and all the things you see and all the things of being and yet to be, to block, to see, the free, the slavery, the human being, the filthy, the clean and everything in between. Eleven. I am a mental contortionist, known to be blowing things out of proportion. It's just me being me. The whole profundity of my being is catching up to me, and I'm seeing that each new wrinkle and fold remains a mystery like a blind man attempting origami. It's not that easy. Knotted intestines, lumpy throats, my words are painful chokes as my mind struggles for control of the tongue and tears. Gifts torn open, then returned the day after New Year's. Take it for granted, then give it away, and die trying to get it back. Or live wet and alone with your regrets. I count my missteps. They are open like bullet holes, and eventually mistrust grows in place to become the scar tissue upon my soul. Now, when in this state, one's legs break under one's own weight. Cold is warm and great like fire before the numbing pain of hypothermic limbs sets in. I don't think I know how to do the things that everything around me commands and insists. If I could just let go of the grudge I hold so tightly against myself, believe me, I'd flip that switch. But I'm afraid of the dark and what new loss and regret might call that blackness home. I'm not afraid of my past. I know what demons live there. I know because I am their god. I created each of my demons in my own image and confined each of them to my own personal version of hell. I see angels around me every day. I see all the beautiful angels you all build and set free in heaven, and each one of them scares me to death with their rotating halos, sharp and greeting, a paper-thin truth at that golden razor's edge, a lightning-fast burden to lighten this life, a tree bearing nothing but the burdens of its own fruit, injured by friendly fire, and halos were found at the landing site. Are you still with me? Hang in there. 
a laissez-faire grasp that is so gentle, brutality so fierce to make a buzzard cry, to make a mother lie, or make an extrovert suddenly become shy, to drink until dreams shake your skin, and sweat smothers every flame there ever was, and kills every songbird in flight with tilted wings. What thunder loss brings? My world is misbehaving. One corner feels invasively close while the others lie far beyond my reach. Balance yourself in free fall is the rough translation of encouraging words of consolation or support. My response is that it's much easier to maintain my balance with a gallon of alcohol in my system. Order a Jack and Coke and get black velvet and moxie, drunken disappointment. Ain't that just life? Surprisingly, despite my chemically crippled and drug-addled mind, I always find I can emoticon my way through these angry things. Or maybe I found that I could before the fall of man and angels. As I said before, halos were found at the landing site. The soul was riddled with holes, punched through by friendly fire. A once proud tree bearing nothing but the burdens of its own fruit is all that remains. Tuesday. Paradise wasn't on the horizon. It was much closer. Literally close enough to smell. A proverbial stone's throw away. Only a narrow channel of seawater separates us now. The blurry driver speaks, causing loss of focus. Just one last stop, he says. A vague, heartless objection escapes. The blurry driver directs attention to the dashboard clock, assuring that there is still plenty of time to meet the boat that will ferry us across that thin band of water into the promised land. The impossibly steep hill comes to a sharp turn to the right, and just beyond, a shanty-type white house waits to the left. The afternoon is warm, and the grass in the yard is crisp underfoot from the long, dry summer approaching the front entrance. The screen is closed, apparently for no other reason than to keep the flies in. Through the mesh I see and smell a vulgar mess. An old man passed out in a drunken heap on the Davenport to the left. Purple nose and vomit in his hair. Bottles piled precariously all throughout the space. Beyond the entry and through the kitchen lies another screen door leading into the backyard. A younger, leaner, and more intense being is pacing back and forth out there, wide-eyed and tired and arguing with his mind. He pauses his darting tongue and eyes only long enough to awkwardly punctuate his frustration by slamming a long, worn axe into a large, heavy chopping block. Now inside the house, standing alone in the kitchen, staring out the back door, I whisper hesitations and push the screen door open. The younger man's attention is snapped like a sharp bullwhip to my presence. He is wild and he is upon me, with hard, unpredictable fists and knees and elbows and forehead. He strikes and flails as if more a fighting gamecock than a human. There is molten blackness in him, a blackness that shines through his sunken eyes. He spits and screeches from a cave of a mouth filled with more vile curses than teeth. A thunderous weight strikes me square in the chest, a burden alternately thrust upon and relieved, again and again and again. A warm rain is falling from the cloudless sky. I can feel each slick drop splatter my face. It doesn't hurt anymore. 
nothing remains but thoughtless meat licking life upon the chopping block. Tweakabye. I'd like to sing you a tweakabye, but I know you'll never sleep. You just fall out. So if I sing you this tweakabye, it would be a song without end, much like the melted, smoky suffering you must draw in. I'd love to sing you this tweakabye, but you wouldn't hear me anyway. Instead, you just kill the time listening to the sound of rusty nails rolling through your mind, infecting your thoughts with the tetanus of self-loathing. See, while I want you to hear this tweakabye, the only song you would hear is that of prying eyes and sharpening knives outside your bedroom door, the melodic strumming of tiny blade-toothed insects gnawing away at your fingertips and nesting under your nails. I've danced to that track before. It's not a bad beat. It's just too bad it never ends. No matter how many breaks it bends or how many enemies it befriends. Yeah, I'd love to sing you a tweakabye, to put you down forever, to ease your sick, to remind you that someone knows what makes you tick but never strike that midnight hour. The grandfather clock is watching you devour yourself from the nightmare corner. Tick, tick, tick. You're dying. Tick. Tick, tick. Your mother will outlive you, and you can't cry for her or father him or anyone else, least of all yourself. If you could hear my tweakabye, you'd put the barrel in your mouth and blow your teeth out of your ears to end the noises in your head, to finally sleep still in bed, the bed you made, the bed you refused to accept. It's just a thought, a bedtime story, a tweak of I sung with all due respect. Good night. Sleep tight until your morning. Wednesday. Lines and patterns in the black molded plastic of the dash seems like they should make more sense. It smells like my first car. It smells like weed and foggy fine incense. It was a 79 Toyota Corolla station wagon, silver with one brown fender on the front passenger side, gutless and it handled like a stiff brick. It should have been an embarrassment, but in high school, that car fit my personality with an indescribable perfection. Sitting in it now, even after all these years, I still feel at home in this old catastrophe. Maybe I haven't changed so much after all. Strange feeling being a passenger in your first measurable possession. It's an ominous lack of control. The distance between the blurry driver and I seems far greater than the car's interior should allow. I can see the shoreline of paradise, though it's still no closer than it was yesterday. One last stop. I'm only vaguely aware that the words have been sent as the old bucket pulls up to that shanty-style white abomination.
Crossing the dry lawn, loud, angry voices are heard from beyond the screen door. A commotion. Rattlings and slammings and cursings shake the shingles and disturb the broken single-pane windows in their frames. The sun is closer to its destination on the horizon than it ought to be. In this place, time is being paced off unfairly. The lean young animal in the backyard is ferocious and demanding at the back door, spitting and pulsing with a sinister need to be allowed into the home. As the front screen pulls open, the drunken heap of an old man bursts from the Davenport in a rage and seems to be somehow transported through the tiny space in an instant, propelled by baffling and terrifying force. And then silence drowns the world. There is blissful silence. And then there is gruesome reality. The kind of gruesome reality that enters first with a small slit in the back screen door as the tip of the steel carving knife begins its journey into the untamed forehead of the lean younger man. Then comes the blood, followed by the crickets, and then the sounds of the rest of the world piling on top of one another, as if hating to be ignored for even one more moment. The old man releases his grip on the aging wooden handle. The weight of the younger man's body drags the blade through the metallic mesh on its way to the ground. I'm reminded of the sound of my mother zipping my winter jacket with her strong, loving fingers to protect me from the cold. The filthy drunkard seems to make a point of not touching me as he passes, while simultaneously being completely unaware of my presence. My blurry driver is crossing the brittle brown grass, walking away from the house, walking away from me, and the murderer and the murdered, returning to the old 79 Toyota Corolla station wagon with the one brown fender and the molded plastic dash. This is how time stretches and compresses pulsing like hearts, expanding to make space for love's lifeblood, then contracting to spare the pain. This is how sturdy bones bend to break to mend. This is how lost and found and lost again love grows to become a lifestyle choice. This is how to cut holes in safety nets, to blindly walk in bare feet upon the thin razor's edge and pray you won't fall again. This is how to worship your own pierced palms. This is how to take hold of your own pointed spear and this time refuse to drive it in. This is how to learn that things of hurt and sorrow always fade into tomorrow. Bigger and stronger things are much easier to swallow. This is how to cast out the stones in our throats. This is how to sing with your own bewitching voice. The tone of songs sung in truth carry more power than the simple empty melodies of a wilting flower. This is how pretty withering things still breathe their fragrant breath. Sturdy stems support their fearless beauty.
until life gives in to dusty death. Thursday. On the kitchen table rests a kind of entropic centerpiece, consisting of dozens of hand-rolled cigarettes smothered out in a slowly decomposing banana peel. Next to the stove rests the gaping mouth of a black plastic trash bag flowing over with what may have formerly been considered laundry, but can now only be reasonably judged as refuse. The backyard past is lonely and still, almost unreal, as if permanence requires the presence of its mad dog tenant. Remnants of distant meals splatter nearly every surface, whether vertical or horizontal. A sink filled with cold, sour water and filth creates a fine ocean upon which moldering bits of decaying food and dead flies float lazily in the sun. The old man is there, noisily slopping down greedy large spoons of thick, gray, chowder-like substance. He's both thin and fat all at once. His spindly wrists, sagging arms, and tits lay like split firewood atop a bulging, pasty gut. His skin, loose on his body, stretches thin and tight like saran wrap across his beanbag chair of a belly. Below the waist, he balances all this mess atop what appear to be legs as wispy as those of a narrow-jointed spider. He doesn't see me. Instead, it is as if he finally has chosen to adapt his world to allow me to exist in it. I stand across from him at the table, watching him pretend that I'm not there as he consumes his meal. I cannot imagine a more unappetizing scene producing a greater hunger in me. One, two, three, four. Four rapid thumps. Bump, 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 bump. Four rapid thumps. My beast has materialized and is now drumming its twitching, hardened fingers on the doorframe no more than four feet from my head. Four rapid thumps. I can feel his dilated, desirous pupils boring into the softest part of me, drumming at my insecurities, searching for a way in. Four rapid thumps that will break me into a billion suffering shards like sound waves persisting, seeking the exact frequency to shatter the delicate wine glass that is my sanity. I am unbearably hungry now. I turn to the slick, greasy pot on the stove and consider the taste and texture of the coagulated mess in my mouth. With a hand that just begins to reach for the spoon, a decrepit future rises and grumbles, spit-drenched, unintelligible threats. He charges and grapples, beginning an awkward kind of twirling, stumbling, dizzy dance that ends in the bathtub with me on my back and his weight pressing down, his face impaled on the bathtub spigot, shaking violently and draining upon me until death finally collects him. And then, as if the end was the beginning of purity and clarity of mind, as if dimethyltryptamine had started and finished every thought before the mind could intervene, I can see who I am. 
then and now, and what my little life may one day mean. Some freaks must be kept in the backyard of this life. Some filthy old futures must protect the possibility of redemption, even if it means ending in a drunken and meaningless life in a filthy bathtub sacrifice. It is as if I'd handed myself a ham-scam sandwich and found myself in the middle of a mystical merry-go-round circle jerk and I wasn't sure how to get off. And then I came. I came to realize that everything in and out of that house must be left behind, left to die as if it had never truly lived at all. In the front of the house, there's a tree. Upon that tree, there's an enticing swing. On the street, there's a 79 Toyota Corolla with the one brown fender and the molded plastic dash. My friends are piled inside. You're probably packed in there somewhere, too, if you care to be. And in the end, there's always just one last stop for us all. Paradise waits only for those willing to see the past for what it was. Those able to put history in perspective and choose a grander future than the one they feel they deserve.